This is a HeadGum Podcast. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Here comes Christmas for me. Call the cops. This level of foolishness. Call the cops. You said we have a dog. I'm just chilling. It sounds like damn it. Sorry, damn it. You're a clown if you say damn it. People are gonna die. Yeah, baby. It was Elvis the Showman and the Colonel the Snowman. Thank you. Finally. How is that not in there before? How have I forgotten that line? I mean, I feel like for that alone, this is your favorite movie of the year. (laughs) I think it really. Well, CTP. It is a gift that gave and gave and gave. And the actor who ate and ate and ate. He ate that. He ate that. Did we talk about that? He ate that. He ate that. Wait, what are you talking about? Well, someone was scolding me for saying he ate that when, the, <laughs> and they were like, "No, just say he ate. It's not oh, he ate that. Yeah, it's you just don't say he, he ate. ate that. You say he ate." And so since then, I've been on a. I'm like, You're on a she really ate this. Ate. <laughs> <laughs> she was. She really ate this. Is is there anything more humiliating than like trying out new slang and? Kind of realizing, like, I don't think I ate with the slang. You know, like, no. it didn't quite land. And it's not even like you didn't hit the bullseye and you got, like, the 20 or the 10. It's like you're not on the, you're board. Not on the board. You're in a different bar. Or, like, <laughs> you said it and you know it's slang, but none of your friends know about it. And mm-hmm. so they just kind of cock their head at you and then, like, let let it go because they didn't want to make you feel bad. Yeah. No, that's not happened to me, but I would imagine it's not fun. <laughs> And it will not happen to me as we continue, as the gap divides. And as we get older and older, that's only going to get cooler. (laughs) Welcome to Good Christian Fun. I'm Kevin. I'm Caroline. We're here to have good Christian fun. We're here to eat that. We're we're here to have good Christmas fun. I'm I'm Kevin T. Porter. The T stands for tinsel. I'm Christmas Carol line. Ho, ho, ho. From the movie Carol. Yeah. You know, which is like a movie I've not seen since it came out. Wow. Isn't that shocking? For all the... Work, it's done for you. All the work. You only saw it when it came out. It's not like a rewatcher, really. I didn't think so, but now I'm curious as like, what is this movie? Like the the movie that's in my mind versus what the movie actually is. And I saw it already. I think they're two (laughs) different movies. Yeah. Now that that's like it should be one movie and it should be Tarl. Tarl. What's your favorite Christmas (laughs) Tarl? Tar is kind of a Christmas movie, right? Oh, sure. It's, it's Germany. cold at one point. <laughs> she's next to a tree when she's jogging. She's next to a tree. It's a very interesting new reading of that movie that's become very popular in certain circles. Tell me about, about like the, the circles. Well, it's a kind of a spoiler. Okay, yeah. Okay, so if you haven't seen Tar, which 
okay, get with it. <laughs> okay, we're going to cancel you. Okay, you're canceled. The, the read... Spoilers ahead. The read is that the third act is sort of a fever dream that she's having, that it's not literally what's going on, mm. and that the ghost of the woman who did uh, kill herself is haunting her throughout the movie. And that's the etchings in the metronome. You can see a figure standing in her daughter's doorway at night in right. the background. Uh, that's the screams she hears in the park, things like that. Oh that- my God. I think that's totally true. Because I was, I kept waiting for the end of the movie when they would reveal like what all of that meant. Mm-hmm. And it just never happened. Right. Or the book going missing and all that stuff. Like yes. someone was clearly fucking with Tar. And now, but but it was always un, like unclear if it was in her own mind because it didn't seem like other people were really acknowledging those things that she was seeing and hearing either. And there's so certain, the wolf also might be part of the haunting. Oh yeah, that big old dog in yeah. the building. Yeah, there's a piece on Slate. Tar is the most talked about movie of the year. So why is everyone talking about it? All wrong by Dan Quise. Uh, that's kind of popularizing this read. I don't. I I think there's like non-literal kind of dreamy elements to it, but I don't think it means it didn't actually like the last 30 minutes didn't actually happen. It's on her head. But yeah, I could see how it's like this is what it would feel like. Yes. To be canceled, as we'll find out before the end of this podcast. Yeah, it's good to know what's to come. So we feel prepared. But yeah, I think that that also, yeah, that makes sense. And it speaks to the fact that like the only reason she's haunted is because she refuses to acknowledge right. all of the pain she has caused. Yeah, she's not completing the emotion of grief yes. or So that's or why it's bubbling or... up in these really bizarre ways mm-hmm. in her life. Well, yeah, when she goes to the salon and then like and that's when number it, oh, five, finally. Mahler's Fifth Symphony, you know, like right. everyone's got a little read. I don't know. I'm, I I enjoy the non-literal elements of it. I don't, I don't think it's a dream, but I think it's fun to think about it that way mm-hmm. and to like rewatch it. Maybe, but yeah. I mean, listen. This is this is talk for our end of the year yeah, list this is not episode. Tar, the tar zone, know. but it's not the tar zone. We were talking about carols. Caroline was talking about <laughs> me asking people what their favorite Christmas carol was. <laughs> and Carol is a Christmas movie. Eyes Wide Shut is a Christmas movie. Little Women is a Christmas movie because they all take. And Bruges is definitely a Christmas movie. I need to watch that. <laughs> Wait, there's. I we're gonna get to the topic today, which is Switchfoot. The band Switchfoot, our favorite little rocker boys from Southern California by way of San Diego, and their new Christmas album, This Is Our Christmas Album, featuring new originals and old classics and covers of that. Before we do, Caroline, I I need to share with you, uh, because right now Variety's doing the like actors on actors series and directors on directors series. I need to watch more of those. Every time I see a clip, I'm so like in love with it and then I never bother to watch a full video because you know I have trouble watching internet videos do you they just don't work for me wait I don't know this about you I don't watch them you sent them to me you sent me one today and I'm interested in it then you click the link I sent you a TikTok that's not even an (laughs) internet video I watched a TikTok TikTok. and I had already seen that one by the way I thought that was really funny but the one with Taylor and um the in Bruce director. I sent it to Dunham. you, not expecting you to watch it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that was the that dir- kind of stuff. The directors on director series with Martin McDonough. <laughs> but I want to and Taylor Swift. Who's anyway, all also that to say, it's an exciting time. Anyway, so that was going on. So, so there's been these different actor pair ups. Like they put 
Brendan Fraser with Adam Sandler for one. They did Michelle Yeoh with Kate Blanchett. Oh, so they're just doing duos. They're not doing the whole table. I, they haven't started the round table stuff yet. I bet they'll come later next year. Okay. Because those are always fucking those fun. Are those are meme machines. They I think literally they know are. That. Yeah. They're just like watching people watch everyone else. Oh my God. So they did pair Con Farrell from Banshees of Inishirin this year. And Jamie Lee Curtis from Everything Everywhere. <gasps> That's great. I love that. Someone clipped out a, a Twitter username, Christians Bale, uh, tweeted out, this bit killed me because why did it look like she hasn't watched Banshees? And this is the video. It's so funny. No, but the movie oh. is so much about Ireland. Yeah, it is. It's such an Irish movie. It's so... It's so <laughs> deep. Irish. And Did you think that's exquisite? That's cool. Oh, it's exquisite. That's lovely to hear. <laughs> no, but the it's movie. like what? <laughs> All right, it's man. It's so <laughs> deep. <laughs> that's so funny. I thought she was gonna be funnier with him because she's like kind of a silly lady sometimes. She's silly, but she's extra too. Yeah, oh. she's she she's theater weirdo <laughs> like, that's as cool. well. You know. <laughs> Wait, I posited that. Did I posit that theory to you? What? I, I'm I'm curious to see how you could challenge or add to it. Okay. That every actor falls on the spectrum somewhere between two extreme ends, which is a lucky model, someone who has a certain look, looks a certain way, falls into it, and then someone who's a theater weirdo. Totally. Who trod the boards and went to Juilliard and does Method and knows Meisner, Stanislavski, and all that stuff. And wh whatever actor and whatever the thing may be, falls on one end or the other of that spectrum. Maybe literally. not all the way, maybe not literally. Maybe they're not literally a model. Maybe they didn't actually go to Yale School of Drama, but their yeah. thing is kind of more like that yeah. than the other. And then character actors are like right in the middle. Kind of. Because it's like they have a specific look, obviously. Right. But, but it's not because they're so attractive that they looked into the business. And it's also they don't take them too, themselves too seriously because they can't. Right. Because they've been like kind of slotted in as this type of actor. I think a lot of those character actors, though, err on the side of theater weirdos. But there certainly are cases in which that's not true. Like, like a great example would be like Paul Walter Hauser, who's the guy who played the security guy in I, Tanya and Richard Jewell. <laughs> Richard Jewell. <laughs> and like one of the cronies in Cruella. He has such a specific look, but no one would say that guy's a model. But it feels like he'll always work because he has a specific thing that's always going to work as like an ingredient. Yeah. They could be like, oh yeah, Paul Walter Hauser type, yeah. you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm thinking of, yeah, character actors that like have a degree of humility to them. I think they're the perfect center mm -hmm. of that spectrum. Yeah, um, and, and the best movie stars are a little bit of both, right? Mm -hmm. So like Daniel Craig is a theater, a theater weirdo who looks like a model because he's so right. completely sharply handsome. Full spectrum. And but, he loves to do a silly voice. Yeah, but he, he wants to do Hamlet. Hand. He wants to do West End. You know, like, that's his deal. Chris Pine is also that. Chris Pine, I would put more... Very good actor. Yes. Also, han too handsome for his own good. Yeah, so I would lean him more towards... I don't think he's on the extreme end, but I'd say he leans more towards Lucky Model. Because he is just like incredibly handsome. Yeah. In a way where it's like, of course. Right.
So that's right. a fun game you can play at home it's with your friends game. and your family. Yeah. Name an actor, see where the cut. There's like obvious ones where it's like, oh, which one's Jeremy Strong or which one's Kira Knightley? Lucky G- model right. for Jeremy. <laughs> yeah, lucky model for Jeremy, theater weirdo for Kira. We all know this. We get that. <laughs> and then there's ones where it's like that kind of like mess up the binary where it's like Anne Hathaway. Well, she's a theater weirdo who looks like a lucky model, right? Because she's so... Lucky model isn't about the look. It's about the lack of talent. Or the lack of interest in actual acting. The craft. The craft of it. They like or like the the level of seriousness that they bring to being an actor, right? Is so what you're talking about. I would put David Bowie on the spectrum of lucky model, right? Just because it's like he doesn't give did a, it for fun. He did it for fun. Look, right. I'm Tesla. I'm in Labyrinth. I'm in exactly. whatever, and it w- it seemed to come not so difficult to him, mm-hmm. and he was good at it. Right. So right. Anyway, a fun holiday game you can play. Yeah, and the best like commercial actors are like more on lucky model spectrum, but there are still good actors. Definitely. You know. Wait, who are you thinking of? I'm thinking of like Tom Hanks. Like Tom Hanks is, I think like he does really care about being an actor, mm-hmm. but he's not like the level of self-seriousness that like Daniel Day-Lewis is whatever. Like so, he, right. and he like will do a wide range of things that are not always like in service to the great God of yeah. drama, right. you know? It doesn't seem like that at least. So mm-hmm. he's able to write it right in the middle. Right. Even though truly his background is like a lot of stage stuff, right. a lot of Shakespeare stuff, a lot of like, But again, you know, it's about the attitude that they bring exactly. to their profession. The attitude intersecting with the talent, intersecting with the look. And then you got a little, yeah. maybe there's like an X, Y axis. You I think actually, yeah, you need... A second axis. There's like looks and then levels of seriousness you bring to acting. So I wonder if like the X so axis like- is talent and then the Y axis is attraction. Ugly and hot. Ugly to hot. <laughs> Actually, I think that is it. Maybe that's it. Shoot. Then what would it be? What would the the quadrants be? <laughs> we shouldn't it- say ugly. We should say maybe ordinary looking. <laughs> How charitable. <laughs> well, my take like calling is, people ugly. I, I think everyone who's in a movie is attractive. Oh, Because yeah. they have to be. Even yeah. the guy where it's like, that's like the kind of ugly henchman for the bad guy. No, it's like, if you no. saw them in real life, you'd be, you'd like, be like, let's date. Hubba hubba. Yeah. <laughs> let's fucking go. You are confident. <laughs> um, but gracious, we are talking about Switchfoot. So last, last week, we did talk about Sandy Patty and mm-hmm. her... Gift Goes On album from 1983. Is it is it in your head a little bit? The Father gave the Son. Uh-huh. The Son gave, gave the, the spirit. spirit. The Spirit gives us love. So we can give the gift away. And the gift goes on. What a good Christmas song. I think Catchy. so. I, I really feel like I did a disservice to her by not putting in some of the work and not contextualizing her thing properly. Which mm-hmm. is that she was widely regarded to be very lame in the Christian music industry. <laughs> just in the, at least. <laughs> this is how you're showing her respect? Yeah, well, I'm just saying, like, I didn't give I forgot to tell you how lame <laughs> she was. I don't know if we made that clear. <laughs> also, I think we did make it pretty clear. <laughs> we probably did. She wasn't the sexy star of CCM. No, we, we sure didn't. Um, you know, I, I was just talking about, like, you know, sourcing it from Mark Allen Powell's ever-referenced encyclopedia of CCM, Contemporary Christian Music. Wow. Um, but he was talking about like, uh, 
you know, there is very little that is contemporary about Patty's music, especially that of her early years. Her style actually has more in common with Judy Garland, heard of her, or Connie Francis, than with mainstream pop artists with whom she is most often compared, pre-pop Barbara Streisand and post-rock Celine Dion. As such, she became the the perfect icon for the terminally unhip gospel music association, (laughs) which seemingly wanted to present her to the world as a Christian performer of quote-unquote today's sound without realizing how ridiculous this made them look. A bit like the 60s parents who would buy a Lawrence Welk album covering the Beatles to show their kids how with it they were. Damn. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Devastating. (laughs) Devastating blow. KO. And he goes on. He he gives a little more context to all her stuff. But (laughs) It's so funny. I really thought you were going to be like, you know, we just quickly said stuff we knew about her. We didn't give a proper biography for Sandy. We didn't describe who she was, <laughs> or her background. She's professional. You know, she went to Juilliard. Instead, it was just like, oh, I need to make you guys remember. She's, she was lame No one shit. liked her. <laughs> Somebody liked her. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is funny. That for an encyclopedia, that's supposed to uncool. be it's so funny. fairly objective how much editorializing No, these does. are like essays. Or he's just given his opinion. Yeah, no, and he does go on to compare, uh, you know, his her divorces with Amy Grant. By contrast, when Amy Grant and Gary Chapman announced their divorce some years later, there was disappointment, but a little shock. The couple had been forthcoming for years about their ongoing marital problems. Something more insidious seemed to have informed the anti-Patty crusade because it talked about how, like, the divorce was publicized and it did seem to come out nowhere. Because Amy Grant truly would give interviews where she's like, yeah, you know, we're just trying to work it out. I didn't know uh, that. Yeah. I mean, she she wouldn't do the like uh or I guess maybe it was. Maybe it's the the equivalent at the time of like captions you see of friends on social media where it's like life isn't always perfect with this one. Marriage. And we it's a lot is of work. actually it's hard. A battle. Yeah. But it's so worth it. Uh, ben Affleck to Jennifer Garner yeah. speech. Yeah. Oh. You remember that when he won the Oscar for Argo? He's like, Jennifer. It's so hard to be married to, or whatever. Oh, he didn't, yeah, yeah, he yeah. didn't literally say it was like marriage is a lot of work, but I love doing it. <laughs> like with that you. Good Morning America anchor and what he posted about his wife on their anniversary of like, I've given you so many reasons to leave me. Folks, if we see met husbands posting that kind of stuff, call the wife, tell her to get her divorce no. now. <laughs> I think generally, I think generally, tell me what you think of this, but the sort of at least public posturing attitude of, I don't deserve her. Is yeah, I think I'm becoming red flag. Whether it's like, oh, it's like in, indicative of rot within the relationship or marriage or something. I don't know about that, but like, it just feels straight. It, it just feels like uh, she puts up with me and she's my better half. There, there's a suggestion of she is suffering through something to be <laughs> with me, and that's like I. There's a way you could say that kind of thought that's sweet. And then there's a way that mostly, yeah, it sounds like she's just having a hard time yeah. being with you. That's what it feels <laughs> yeah. like. Yeah. Instead of being like, I, I think it's cute to say like, oh, she's still out of my league or something like that. You know, yeah. like that's kind of fun. Not like, <laughs> I can't believe she stands by me day after day. Yeah. It's like, sounds like she shouldn't. But I even have an allergy to the out of my league thing, even at least publicly, like whatever the private conversations are or whatever. But okay. just like seeing someone say like, she's so much better than me or she's out of my league. It's still, and I understand the heart. It is like uh-huh. celebratory. And yeah. even when it's like totally earnest Cute. and stuff. 
I don't know why it makes me itching. I don't know. Cut to me six months from now. She's a, I'm a she's worm. eleven and I'm a one. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being the eleven to my one. I, speaking of eleven to one, those were the odds I had with you. Yeah. <laughs> that was so freaking um, funny. No, and I, I don't mean I. I feel like at you know the best relationship should feel like a partnering of equals. You yeah. know, but I think that like there's something sweet. There, there, there's an insidious kind and then there can be something sweet about like a partner paying tribute to their partner and yes. thinking so highly yeah, of them. Totally. But also like in thinking highly of your partner, it shouldn't be like you think so lowly of yourself. You know, like that's not a sign of health necessarily either. Yeah, it's not like a scarcity model where there's only like a right. hundred affirmation points to go around yeah, and in you the get partnership. Yeah. 20 and she gets 80. Right, so, I see what you're saying. Yeah, and I listen, the last thing I'm here to do is police how people post about each other, talk about each other. Do it however you want to. Unless you're TJ Holmes. That's the Holmes, last thing I Kevin would, would ever never, do. I would simply not pass There are judgment. zero screenshots in his phone of anybody in celebrating the love of their life. He would never, ever go patooey on love. He's like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a whole different off mic conversation. Is who is the star of your screenshots folder? <laughs> <laughs> I try to take nice, positive screenshots where it's like, here's a funny moment that happened in a in another text. I'll share this with someone else because yeah. I think it's fun or it reflects something nice. And then there are tweets of people who are unbelievable. Hey, sweet guy, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Our little reindeer in the studio, our producer Dexter, is barking at a <laughs> unknown force outside. I can oh. tell you my pet peeves with couple posts. Sure. If it feels like something that you should have said to them directly. Okay. What's an example of that? Like, sometimes I feel like people are... Hmm. And I feel like men do this more often, like about their wives or something like that. But when it's like, this is the most effusive you've ever been about her. And it's like, I don't know. It just feels sometimes like you are saying all the things you should be saying every day, but maybe you're uncomfortable. And so you're just like putting it in a caption, you know? When it feels... Or when it feels like very intimate. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I don't like that your relationship is the kind where like, your intimate, like, sweet feelings that you have between each other are now everybody's business. Mm -hmm. That's stuff that, like, you can hint at in a caption and be sweet without, like, bringing us all in on that. And I feel like it kind of ruins the sacredness of that feeling between you two when you put it in the public square. I feel that 100%. You know what I'm saying? I totally okay. do. Yeah. yeah. Just in the sense of, like, they're not saying anything, like, cringy or inappropriate yeah. or, or odd, but— but there's something that's almost, oh, this should just be for for him it or for her. Yes, it should be just or for, for you, you too. Yeah, it's like ruining the little sacred thing between you guys by by making us all part of it, even though it's like lovely you're saying <laughs> these things. Or if it feels like something basic, but it gets inflated to so like, see, I put it in a post. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Look, I, di I did it. Right, right, right. Yeah, I think like if you're posting something lovey-dovey about your partner, like keep it brief, keep it sweet. Make it a joke even if you want to, but mm -hmm. don't like... Yeah, for the things that are, like, so special to say to each other, say it in person. Yeah. Say it in a letter. Say it in a song. Do those things there. Don't put it on Instagram. I get that. There's a— uh, Oh, my gosh. The medium is the message. What is— That is, that is kind of true. <laughs> where you say—where you, like, 
um, devote your love. There's a therapist. What the heck is his name? There's a therapist who comes up on my FYP all the freaking time. Is it therapist Jeff? Is that his name? Let me look him up real quick. So yeah, it's definitely therapist Jeff. He's out of Portland, Oregon. And I don't don't know why, but he was in my FYP a lot the last couple of months. And one of the things he said is before you start your relationship, have a conversation about social media. Talk about what you think is or isn't appropriate and align your expectations for it. Because with whoever you are, everyone has a different, even if it's like offline boyfriend, extremely online girlfriend, or the reverse, or you're both extremely online or offline. Like, there may be an expectation mismatch. Oh, yeah. That causes rupture or harm later when it's like, oh, I didn't feel, I felt, you know, Mm -hmm. such and such way when you post about me or didn't post about me in the future. Cut to Valentine's dinner five years ago. Nate and I are sitting next to a couple who had a whole fight the entire night because he never posted anything about her. And is that she true? was his girlfriend. And you heard it? We heard it. Well, we were like no. inches away from it. We were in one of those, you know, tight little yeah. seating arrangements. Anyway, so yeah, that could be totally a thing. It'd be really hurtful to people. So yeah, if you're, listen, for new lovers out there. <laughs> there is are, a lot of prep work you have to do. There is. You have to talk money. You have to talk religion, kids. Like yeah. sometimes I think it's kind of funny, like what, therapists expect like couples to talk about like mm-hmm. all the serious ground you have to cover before you like do anything it's a little un- unrealistic. How, how do you mean like I-, I feel like a lot of those conversations like the social media one for example like it's just kind of funny to me it's like okay well before we're boyfriend and girlfriend what are your instagram expectations of me you know like it sounds ridiculous it's a little, i know it's like a good thing but that feels like something you say like as it comes up you know Right. I don't know. I, I just think it's, I don't think it's wrong or anything, but I just think it's funny to imagine that couples are constantly like going over homework of like to-do lists before we become a couple, you know? I, I think it's one of those preemptive things where it's like, this might be ridiculous and this may be a total nothing burger of a conversation, but just so we, yeah. you know. No, it's nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think also one of the things he said, it might've been a part of this. He's like, uh, define what cheating is. <laughs> Which is like obviously everyone agrees on like kiss or you sleep with someone else, but then there can be cheating where it's like, oh, you didn't tell me about this, or there was this DM, or I didn't know about you know, like there's stuff that you may not share the same definition of. A lot of defining, mm-hmm. yeah, is important. Yeah, yeah. so you just a, know. a nice checklist for you to go over. We just found out recently that December 11th is the most common breakup date. Uh, it's the day after, so. All of you swinging <gasps> singles out there As now. of us recording this, yes, we did look up, like, what is the most common day for couples to break up? And it was December 11th. <laughs> um, We're recording this December 12th. Do you 12th. have any advice for the swinging singles? Here's what I would say to any new single people right now. Don't assume anything is... Don't assume the other person holds any of the same values or expectations as you. Which is not to say assume the worst, but just assume difference. And then maybe you have a clarifying conversation to make the similarity explicit or bring compromise to the difference, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. But that's the only thing I would say Fantastic. for the future. That's a great work of and have being a, a slut human. era. Yeah. You know, is you think, oh, this is how we all thought about this. And you find out that's really just me and my mom or <laughs> something, you know, and like you have to really find out what everyone's approach to the world is and how wonderfully different we all are. 
I think the way I've put it before is that most conflict in the world is people being mad that other people aren't more like them. Mm-hmm. Like Pretty with much. whatever it is where it's like, why aren't you like me? Why didn't you think about this the way I did? Yeah. Clearly the right way. And it, yeah, that animates so much like Everything. actual. And I can't give up the way I think about this because then I will. Cause be, it's the right way. I have, will have been had mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's it. And even when people are like, well, no, it's not better. It's just different. It's like, but if you didn't think it was better, you wouldn't be doing it. So right. part of you is like. People hate being wrong. Yeah, as do I. And I don't want to be wrong about the reason for the season uh, and that being Jesus. Oh, yeah. that's There's one thing you'll never be wrong about, and that's knowing that Jesus is the reason for the season. <laughs> <laughs> On that, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more Good Christian Fun. This HeadGum Podcast is brought to you by Aura Frames. That is right. Uh, from grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an Aura Frame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, well. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an Aura Frame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there. And you know what? You can update it with an app. So every time you take a new picture of a sweet little uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. HeadGum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm-hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code HeadGum at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome back to Good Christmas Fun. It's time to dive into the topic. Come on, let's go. Switch foot. <laughs> Switch foot. This album first came out on our radar from a call-in show in which someone asked us who's a CCM artist or band that you wish had a Christmas album, but they don't, but you'd love to hear it if they did. And we were talking about Switchfoot, and then we did Google, like, oh, they literally just put one out. Days ago. This year. It was November 4th that they put one out. Um, this is their first album after Drew Shirley has left the band. Drew Shirley, who uh, has been with them since the fourth album, their guitarist, uh, ever since Nothing Is Sound, basically. And uh, he's not on this album. And this is sort of a return. It's five and five. It's five original songs in five covers. 
uh, including some originals that they one, one of which they released before in some fashion and some maybe they shouldn't have. I don't know. Depends on what you think. <laughs> As a California, because the whole conceit for this seems to be, hey, listen, we know what we are. We're California guys. We're surfer guys. We're the Beach Boys. We CCM. love. We're not. We're not the Beach Boys of life, but of CCM. Yeah, yeah. we can. We'll own it. We can stake the territory. It's a brand. It's niche. It's ownable. It's different. It's fun. It's sandy. It's wet. People love surf- surfers. That's right. And hopefully, you know, we don't wish the same mental trajectory of Brian Wilson onto John Foreman. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. feel like it's gonna happen. Hopefully. <laughs> Time is long. Well, if he does have a mental break on the next Switchfoot album, there's like goats in the background. This one and- feels close, <laughs> honestly. I mean, not not in that it's like unhinged, no. but we'll get into it. There, it's, there is a lot of sadness, mm-hmm. and or not maybe sadness, but um, d- thorny feelings in this album. Sure, he's grappling with in this stage of life. I will say, for me personally, at this at my stage of life and a music consumption. The thing I'm looking for is not what is the best cover of this song or this standard that I know by heart and have heard before. It is what is something that could, kind of the litmus test we use for the Sandy Patty stuff, what could you throw on the playlist mm-hmm. for a holiday party or a Christmas gathering, something in the background that would fit well, that you could listen to in the car yeah. while driving around looking at the tinsel and trees. You want to hear again and you want to fold it into your annual Christmas vibe. Yeah. I started a playlist just for myself called New Christmas, and it's only songs that are original songs written after 1994, the kind of unofficial. It's the unofficial line of demarcation, because that's when all I want for Christmas is uh, came out. (laughs) Okay, so that's, uh, we need like an AD and BC, um, so BM and AM, before Mariah and after Mariah. BM and AM. (laughs) How about a BM? Yeah, that was pretty BM. Uh, so songs like that, and inclu- actually, you know, it's a little, it's a little BM as well as after AM. It's mostly AM though. Christmas in LA by Wolfpack. Jesus is the reason for the season by Kirk Franklin and the Family. Christmas makes me cry by your girl Casey Musgraves. Uh, one for one, Woody Goss. You and I, Christmas time, the bird and the bee, things like that. And I'm sure people have. Similar list. So for you personally, what is your wish you <laughs> I wish Colonel Tom Parker would put out an album. God damn, that'd be so From good. From the grave? <laughs> I don't know, Caroline. That sounds like uh, 30 Minutes to Heaven in the making. <laughs> that sounds like one to me too, my friend. So the showman is gone. Time for the snowman <laughs> to hit the mic. Tommy the snowman. <laughs> he just rewrites Frosty <laughs> the snowman it's about him. to Tommy the snowman. <laughs> For you personally, though, what is your appetite? Because this is such an even split on this album. The dichotomy is so clear. Yeah. What What is your appetite for new versus old as far as what you're looking for? I feel like, yeah, I also don't always love a cover, especially if they don't really... I like maybe when they genre bend the cover or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I feel like the originals are just so good that I rarely like prefer a cover over the original Nat King Cole or whatever. Right. Like, cause also I'm just listening for this for like two to three weeks max. I'm not Isn't like that funny? Yeah. really trying to like innovate the rotation, you know? So it's like, <laughs> I'm just going to listen to the old ones. So yeah, I think that I do want something new. I think that 
my personal taste for like what a new Christmas song is, is something really fun and mm-hmm. like happy. Mm-hmm. I know that's not like most Christmas originals or whatever, but I, I appreciate when people are trying to go for a new pop song, you know, in the Christmas catalog. And I feel like those are the ones that my ears perk up, perk up for more. Sure. Yeah, something that's a little more buoyant and joyous yeah. and upbeat so, than Morose yes. or Phoebe Bridger's <laughs> Yeah, so like, a not to say I don't love a little sad song here and there, but like, yeah, if I'm going to bring you into the new playlist, you've got to be catching my ear in a, in a fun way and maybe a little bit of a pop feeling, and it's an original. A great list for uh, listeners and maybe as well to to start as far as Getting into the new stuff, Vulture did put out the 50 best original Christmas songs since All I Want for Christmas is You. And it is a list of them songs by, <laughs> hey, Tis the Damn Season by Taylor Swift. Ah, They're at number Kevin. 11. Vulture back to you. Ain't No Chimneys in the Projects by Sharon Jones and the Dab Kings. Uh, it's Not Christmas Till Somebody Cries by Carla Rae Jepsen. You remember Sia's Christmas album from oh, yeah. a couple years ago? I like Sia's Christmas album. Santa's Coming for Us. And that was top to bottom original songs. There yeah. zero covers on that. that. She was kind of what I had in mind of like, I appreciate that like not all of them were great, but she went for it and like actually tried to make a new Christmas pop song mm-hmm. that was like good and not just like, you know, phoning it in. The other one that, that feels <laughs> I like them a, lot. Uh, a piece of that where it's like, oh, you, you did go for it, even though it was like drowned in covers as well, is the original Sufjan Stevens Christmas songs. From yeah. His yeah. EPs. I'm thinking of the songs for Christmas from 2006. Right. But, but you know, uh, only at Christmas time or put the lights on the tree or come mm-hmm. on, let's boogie to the elf dance. Those yeah. feel like they belong on the playlist right. as much as anything else. I agree. So did Switchfoot make any songs that also belong yes. on the playlist? I think so, too. Totally. Oh, my gosh. I was, like, really, really pleasantly surprised by these. Like, this this album really reminded me, like, damn, I really do like Switchfoot. And they mm-hmm. really are still great at making new music. Mm-hmm. And, like, I always forget about them. Like, I don't seek them out. They're not like my band, you know? But often when I've heard some of their heard some of their new music coming out, I'm like, dang, I really do like this. And so for me, California Christmas is great. I really mm-hmm. like it. And mm-hmm. that went straight into my Christmas playlist. Now let's start with a little this is of course John Foreman on vocals singing <laughs> no. this cover. Can't be mistaken. Well, it can be mistaken for one other. Have yourself <laughs> a merry little Christmas. <laughs> Let your heart be light. <laughs> no. And that was so good. And he did something special he, with it. Like he honestly, he let his full frog come out. <laughs> yeah. He put his a full very froggy Christmas. Lily fussy into it. into it. Yeah, that's right. A, fr- a very froggy Christmas. No, we're just freaking kidding around. California Christmas is the lead track on the album. This is our Christmas album. A little... They seem to have really emphasized in recent years vocal harmonies. They're mm-hmm. into yeah, constructing and arranging vocal yeah. harmonies on I like. a lot of their songs. Welcome to my California Christmas. Yay! Twinkling lights on all the fake palm trees. Palm trees. <laughs> the snow that falls is a fake stuff. Suits in 85 degrees. 
Okay, scooch, scooch to the We switch to what? Scooch to the height of the song. Oh, sure. And so on and so forth, Cute. Caroline. I'm sure you appreciated local shout-outs to things yeah. like the Five or the Pasadena Rose Parade. <laughs> that was uh, genuinely fun. Marching down the street. I like um, a lot of the parentheticals in the singing, too. It reminds mm-hmm. me of when people do their Rudolph the Red Nose Rainier like, call and response. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is like so pleasant, and it's cute. And it's, you know, kind of a gripe about the grind of Christmas. And it's also, again, a very ownable, brandable thing, which is being Californian. And not everyone can claim that the way John can. Yeah. It brings up this interesting question of why and for what reason do you do a Christmas album Mm -hmm. in the trajectory of your band or your career, your discography? Like when Adele drops the Christmas album in her 60, or if she ever even does. Amazing. Oh my God. Or the case may be. And it is sort of like making a children's music album for adults. Oh yeah, I like this part. Oh yeah, there's a little breakdown. In cases of Christmas well, there'll be birds and sometimes the seagulls and maybe jacuzzis. Strike up the band, choosing the sand. They're just nice boys. But yes, why would you do it? And sometimes it does feel like making an album of children's music for adults. Because <laughs> it's like, <laughs> we're going to hit our greatest hits mm-hmm. uh, of the things that you expect from the holiday. And this sort of amorphous, you could probably sense lyrically and thematically, there's this amorphous sort of resistance. Not even, not even this amorphous thing. Uh, <laughs> but there's this resistance to traditional consumerism and the antidote isn't necessarily and it's actually jesus and that's what it is there's not that much jesus on the album there's like you know slight illusion certainly a little town of bethlehem but as far as the you know looking for christmas a little bit yeah but looking for christmas this song which i would put as like a cousin song to meant to live like we were meant to live for so much more and this is it is funny, lyrically, maybe the perspectives on the song. I want to play the first part of the first verse. There's the man near the freeway on ramp. The sign says he's looking for change. The lives we lead as strangers make the whole world feel so strange. I give him a couple green pieces of paper, ex-presidents' faces and names. And he asked me where the cash could ever bring change And all the carols in my ear Feel disturbingly inept and insincere Oh, I'm still looking for Christmas Tell me what Christmas means Tell me what's it worth singing peace on earth When there's war on the TV screen Oh, I'm still looking for Christmas I get the feeling that I'm on my own Is there a Christmas star to show me where you are? 
Cause the wise men now forgot the way home. There's war on the TV. There's homeless people at the freeway intersection, on-ramp, the freeway on-ramp. He loves highways in these first two I songs. No, I was going to say, he's he, like a lot of driving in a lot of these songs. Yeah, the bridge of this one is, then you take the 101 yeah. to the 405. <laughs> that is a very Californian Christmas, though, is to be constantly driving. Truly. Around. Isn't that fun? Yeah, yeah, it's such a particular flavor to find yourself in. But yes, there's like this resistance <laughs> towards consumerism. They did talk about it. John Foreman said, I've had the privilege of celebrating the holidays in a lot of different places, Boston, Detroit, Nashville, Virginia, but there's nothing, truly nothing, like a California Christmas. <laughs> All the classic American Christmas songs sing about snowmen and chestnuts on warm fires. As much as I love nostalgia, I wanted a song that captured the idiosyncrasies of San Diego during December. When I'm home for the holidays, I've got sunshine, tamales, surf lessons, and a Christmas tree at the beach. So that's about the, the lead track, California Christmas. Made their first ever holiday record. Uh, Switchfoot infused their signature West Coast sound and blah, 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 blah. During the past few Christmas seasons, Foreman found himself looking for a Christmas album that reflected the way he felt and realized there wasn't anything out there. So he started writing his own. <laughs> I always love that story of like, I just had nothing to- except mine. It's like, <laughs> okay, I-, I know you have to write your copy, but come on. <laughs> Greta Gerwig said, make your movie. So he started writing his own, making room for all the emotions felt over the holiday season, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Tradition, heartache, beauty, joy, and pain. For some of us, Christmas reminds us. <laughs> for some of us, Christmas reminds us. One of, day we'll find it. <laughs> of loved ones we've lost or complicated relationships with friends or family. For others, we, ca- we question the capitalist materialism that saturates the holidays. For others, it's a sacred time of giving, celebrating the divine gift of sacrificial love. All but like, you know, doing some backflips to not say God and Jesus, which is so interesting. Divine gift, sacrificial love. It's very much innuendo, right? Right. Which I... Basically appreciate. So, yes. So, this song, Looking for Christmas, it's almost like, I like it. I like the sentiment. It does almost feel like a 14-year-old that just learned about the concept of injustice in the world. Like, wait, there's like homelessness? How are we all just in here being happy, eating dinner? There's literally a war. No, yeah, I I think that's true. (sighs) Well, and I actually, there's one line in this that I really like and I think kind of is more the point. And which is what he says at the end of a long weird year. As far as I can remember, as far back as I can remember, the tension never felt this clear. Is this what my parents felt like? Drinking bitter and sweet from a cup, maybe this is what it feels like to grow up. Yeah, and I, I think that's like also a very relatable feeling. Is like, have things maybe always this been this bad, or am I just growing up and I'm aware of it, mm-hmm. and I'm not mm-hmm. a child being protected from these stories anymore, or yeah. I'm not like willing to turn a blind eye because it doesn't work because I'm 17 and I can't handle it yet, you know. And now that we're adults, we feel more responsible for the world that we've inherited, and we feel more responsible for creating the world that we want to be in, Mm -hmm. because we're the ones in charge now. Yeah. There's no one else to blame. So that does capture something I don't know if I've quite heard in much any Christmas. I mean, maybe there is, and there's like a blaring example I'm forgetting. But just the idea of like, you kind of have to redefine your access point into the holiday for what it's going to represent to you as far as like, well, what is most enjoyable? 
Because the TLDR is usually like, it's not about gifts, it's about getting together. Or it's like, it's not about materialism, it's about, you know, celebrating the birth of Christ. But this is like truly reckoning with, it was something. It has to be different now because you're not a kid anymore. Yeah, and I can't access that feeling I used to because I know too much. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And I I relate to that even on a personal level of having to shift definitionally how Christmas in my head for like 28 years was— I will be with my family mm-hmm. on Christmas. That is an immovable fact. Even living long distance from them for a decade and a half, that will always happen. And then about five years ago, that started not happening. Mm-hmm. And I started spending Christmas out here in LA or sometimes alone like during the pandemic. And so I had to kind of shift the way I got into it for myself of like, well, it's it's not not that, and that's a part of it, but it has to be something else, or you will lose it. And if you don't like of like that kind of stale expectation, then you that you have, you might be miserable. Yeah, uh, or cause your family misery because you're trying to like hold on to this thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because it, you remember it feeling good, but it literally wouldn't even work now if you tried. Right. Yeah. Which we see. Obviously, patriarchs and matriarchs being like, no, we can't still do it right. right. Everyone's yeah. going to be together. It's like yeah. the last vestige of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is a unique song for that reason. I mean, a lot of songs will talk about like, why are we all so happy or the world isn't as beautiful there's, as we want it to be. There's malls Yeah. <laughs> but this kind of like uh, reflection of like, wait, am I changed? Is the world changed? What do I do with this? And mm-hmm. like, what – how can I find this? There isn't really even a resolution. It's just like, I don't feel weird about this. And like, I know I'm supposed to be happy right now and I don't want to bum everybody out. Which is classic Switchfoot in a way. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, there's something more, but I don't know what it is. Yeah. But I, I also don't feel like they're trying to like wink at the answer. I think he's genuinely I don't like, either. I yeah. don't know if this is even the answer for me, yeah. let alone you, you know, which is very cool. Because tradi- traditionally, as far as CCM stuff goes... Um, like the, 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 it would be set up problem solution and bridge and last chorus is, Yeah. Yeah. And this is more like, you know, <laughs> it is funny. I hear the Christmas bells ringing, but I want more than your shopping malls and caroling. Yeah. yeah. The it's two like, worst oh, things. Oh, not the malls. <laughs> Anything but the mall. I'm still looking for Christmas. I get the feeling that I'm on my own. Is there a Christmas star to show me where you are? Cause I'm hoping I could find my way home. And it's like, yeah, you may not. And that's okay. You know, <laughs> like the two kids at the end of the graduate. You know, it's kind of, I don't know if this is sad or not, but today I realized that like actually part of Christmas nostalgia and good feelings for me is going to the mall. It's <laughs> <laughs> not sad. Because it's like, that's literally what I did all growing up. Like that was part of it. And I know it's like, Fake and whatever, but they're like the act of going to the mall feels cheerful to me still, you know. Just I think like that's nice, kind of nice to be. I there. know you're very close to a mall now, and but I'm so you can just you're mall. so close. I know, yeah. I, so it's kind of, I was kind of like, I don't know if this is like sad or not, but like going to the mall is part of Christmas tradition. For the me. amount of times I've said unironically in the last three years. No, and if you go to the Americana during Christmas, it's so nice. It's so nice. <laughs> I think it's just like, oh yeah, I am the mark for these people, and it worked. And uh, you know, but I've got my own memories. That you gotta make out. peace with it. They do start getting into covers with "Christmas Time Is Here," of course, a cover of the Vince Giardi classic from the Charlie Brown Christmas special. 
I'm gonna say I'm out on this cover. I didn't I didn't like it so much. It didn't do anything no, for me. And in me. fact it felt too busy. There was too much instrumentation going on. Mm. I wanted it to be a little more spare. I think I think the the beauty of that original music is that it is just a trio. There's mm-hmm. there's so much space in it. And it does create that feeling of, of wistfulness, melancholy, loneliness. But this is like, it feels like everyone's drunk. <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> I know Christmas time is here. Let's go. Like, I'll play my go. spoons. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's what it feels like. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. And then that brings us to Anna Kendrick's favorite <laughs> that's right. track, which is Scrappy Little Christmas Tree. Scrappy Little Tree. Uh, this is a sort of, you know, this is about as punk as they get. This is a quick two minutes, 11 second song. Get in, get out. Just a... Fun little song about a Christmas yeah, tree. A cute little story about being rich now. Wait, is is that what it's about? I might miss that. <laughs> it feels a little British. Wait, is it truly about being they, rich? Not really. No, I'm kind of joking. <laughs> okay. But he, they used to only be able to afford like the tiniest tree in the lot, and now they have a three foot tree. Yeah, and he talks about extra quid, so it does make you. Or oh, yeah, they used to. It sounds like he's talking about him and his wife. They're like, oh, we used to now. Only mm-hmm. be able to get a three foot tree, and now we're rolling in the dough. Yeah, I think uh, speaking of that California Christmas song, it is kind of funny how he like. I don't think he's even aware he's betraying his tax bracket a little bit with some of the the activities he's talking about. Like, well, oh yeah, we hear. all go surfing right by the beach when we bring our board because we're already there because we live on the ocean. Or yeah, we all don't go jacuzzis because we all have jacuzzis. Around. The the jacuzzi one, I, you yeah. know, I, <laughs> I I do associate surfing more with like there's beach bums and there's people that practically live on the beach and like surfing is a part. But the jacuzzi line is one more yeah. of like all right, where's the jacuzzi? At? Even if you're living on the beach these days, it's like how this <laughs> <laughs> money um, Okay. Moving there, forward. There's fine covers like Silent Night slash It Came Upon Who a cares? Clear, boring. boring. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. I thought I heard the bells on Christmas Day was a really nice cover, and it weirdly reminded me of the dearly departed uh, Christian but not Christian but fake Christian duo that <laughs> probably split up because they were fucking each other. Mm-hmm. Civil Wars. Doesn't it feel like their thing? Sure, yeah. You can imagine Joy Williams slot the, in there. Who's this covering? I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day is a standard. It was originally written by Henry Wordsworth Longfellow and J. Baptiste oh Calkin. Oh. Yeah, so it's an old, old song. Longfellow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's covering Mariah Carey. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know if I've never heard that one before. And then the song Midlife Christmas does kind of get us more into that feeling of like, okay, what's Christmas now that you're older? What's it going to be? Maybe I just haven't, uh, I haven't like listened to that much country Christmas because maybe this would remind me more of it, of like what it means to have adult problems mm-hmm. in intersecting with the holidays. Like I'm, yeah. there's probably some... Randy Travis album or someone adjacent to that of like, uh, you know, my house is getting foreclosed on on Christmas yeah. or something. Where Do like I a- buy presents or milk is probably a song <laughs> title. <laughs> Do I get stockings or a bag of flour? <laughs> or do I put the flower right. in the stocking? Yeah, I put it in the stocking and give uh, that to myself as a gift. Midlife Christmas. I like this song. What'd you think of it? Uh, That's the, by the way, that chord that he just does right there. That's why I call... 
there, this is not what it's called. I wish I knew the music theory term for it. It feels like the Randy Newman chord. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Because yeah. it feels like uh-huh. his like sort of composition style. It's this one right here. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. I don't know. I'm not a musician that way, so it's nice. And then it gives a little resolve. Sure. It's got a Randy vibe. I I don't want to keep listening to this song, but I don't think it's like bad. And again, this is like, a very uh, sorrowful, yeah, very middle-aged <laughs> Christmas song. And I like that he calls it Midlife Christmas. And um, I don't know. I, I Do you think he's on the ledge right now? <laughs> Honestly, uh, I was going to say, like, I, I'm like, props to him because this is not flattering stuff. And especially when you're, like, supposed to be the successful, established, you know, stalwart musician, been around to describe how often he, especially at Christmas time, like does not feel good, does not feel fulfilled, even as a Christian. Incites even baby Jesus in the manger. It's like, yeah, I still feel hollow. Yeah, so it's what's like that all yet about? another thing. Yeah. Or her talking about Christmas songs feel kind of like meaningless and insipid and stuff. I appreciate the boldness of going for that. Um, maybe, I mean, that's like any musician being punk rock and like against the culture <laughs> or something. But he is going through it right now. Feels like it. And I I think that's probably really real for anybody that hits this point of life. And so I'm not quite there yet. So maybe I'm not like relating 100% to this, but I appreciate like the candidness of this album. Oh, I'll just John Foreman now. Also, in verse three, he does bring up his arch nemesis, the mall again. Unavoidable and tragic, like Christmas music at the mall. Oh, yeah. And the driving also. Is in this song. Oh, he's not that. Oh, he's forty six. I, you know, I guess. Yeah. I guess I'd be feeling that That's too. That's midlife, you know. Thirteen years from now. That's thirteen years from now, for you and me. See you soon. Yeah, I guess so. That's gonna fly by. All right, the Christmas song, a fine cover, sure. You know, nothing spectacular. Nice. Chestnuts roasting. Good song. I feel like you know with these covers. Honestly, unless you are just like a diehard fan and you just want to hear your favorite musician sing this song in their voice. That's the appeal. It's really for nobody. That's why my whole thing with this very disappointing new Springsteen album, I'm like, it should not have been a covers album. It should have been a Christmas album with covers on it. Oh, yeah. You should have recorded it live and then we'd have that forever. (laughs) (sighs) You don't feel satisfied by hearing his covers? No. Well, it's a whole thing. I don't have time for it. To get into it. I was going to say uh, just another in general about this album. Yeah. Like, <laughs> between the songs and then like the tenor of some of these songs, it does feel, and then the title of it, it feels a little bit like someone held a gun to their head and said, you need this to do this now. This is our Christmas album. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is our Christmas album. You know, that kind of like ironic whatever about yeah. it. And then like the the darkness of a lot of these songs, I'm like... I wonder if they really wanted to do this or I wonder if they were like, okay, we'll do it, but like we're not going to pretend to like love Christmas because <laughs> we all feel complicated about well, it Well, right I don't know if you read what he said, Caroline, but he didn't see an album like this out in the market. It needed to exist. <laughs> I, was, I was really 
They felt an itching. There's just a, a, a crazy how that happens for almost every musician. That's always what they say whenever a celebrity comes out with a new like beauty or skincare line. They're like, there was no clean vegan beauty out there for someone with dry mm-hmm. rosacea skin like mine, and I had to make it. I'm like, bitch, there are seven I can name right now. Anyway, that's another beef. Uh, New Year's Day is on this album in 2022, but they first originally released it in 2015. They released it in the aftermath of terrorist attacks in Paris, if you remember those from 2015. In the aftermath of the latest tragedies, this is a message they put on their website when they put it out. We want to offer up a song of hope. So here's a tune that we've never released, New Year's Day. Is the dialogue of living and loving and believing and hoping in the face of fear and despair. We want this song to offer you hope in 2015 and into the new year ahead of us. Now, despite that very nice, kind uh, sort of <laughs> uh, framing for it, this does feel like a song they play at the end of Ted Lasso. <laughs> in terms of like, I hey, like this song. It's going to be okay. Yeah. I know. I don't necessarily. I mean, that is a bad thing. That's my boss. <laughs> It's New Year's Day. Yeah, this one even too. Also sad. <laughs> like, right? Well, you know, again, being like, I can't approach this holiday with the attitude I'm supposed to have. So I'm just going to tell you how I really feel. And maybe that's a positive and like, we'll make it work, you know? <laughs> is this a Christmas album about someone who doesn't want to make a yeah, Christmas I think album? It kind of is. <laughs> like, low key stuff. Like, no, I'll push through yeah, it. Yeah, like, let's do it. No, I really do think, or maybe he really was like, I need to get this stuff off my chest too because it's just, you guys have been begging for this Christmas album and this is why I never wanted to give it to you because I thought you'd be disappointed by how I really feel about these holidays. I don't know. Who knows the mind of John Foreman? Who, Only could, one who could understand? Green felt covered little guy could. I said sometimes I can't stand myself and most times I wish I could be anyone else. When I look in the mirror, my eyes are getting old. And she said, yeah, I see your point of view, but it could just be a phase that you're going through. It feels like we could make something beautiful. It's New Year's Day. That feels like a very adult conception of all Totally. You know, there's a little town of Bethlehem, a perfectly fine cover of that, about what you expect. And then there's Hometown Christmas, which is, uh, Uh, I would say, like like a little, you know, I feel mostly positive about this album, right? If this is a ice cream sundae, uh, a cold dessert for a cold season, and we got scoops, we got sauces. Hometown Christmas Time to finish feels, it off, and what are we getting on top? It's something Dexter made. An ice cold little... <laughs> yeah. Little oh, turd. Hershey's chocolate turd. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is... Pretty wretched. Pretty wretched. I'm so confused. Yeah. I was like... Wait, what am I hearing? I thought it, I thought it had started some new album as I was like auto-playing Spotify. No, this is a song to call. It's a collab between Need to Breathe and Judah. Uh, Need to Breathe with, a, with another sort of CCM, but not really, but wink, wink, they are. Uh, sort of artist and Judah, who's a very explicitly uh, Christian artist as well. Um, 
And it is it is that that nasty Imagine Dragons backwash sound yeah. that we've all come to know and have an allergy to. Which one is better than this? Too? They are. That's what was confusing. But There's they're not. No reason to do this. It's uh, and the mix of his voice with whoever comes in later is. It's three different this. singers. <laughs> Together. Oh, no. No. Get the fuck out of here. What is happening? This is nasty sounding. <laughs> it is. I'm glad you said it. Yeah, this isn't good. Uh, I feel like the only context I would enjoy this song, and it sounds hey, like this is uh, listen to this. Hang on. Listen to this part. The fucking spot You guys I'm sorry for interrupting pick another problem <laughs> The also, parking spot at the mall Not that I'm the defender of the malls Listen. Malls can be kind of fun <laughs> you Go to a lower traffic one Anyway, yeah, um, Caroline's not saying mall lives matter I'm not saying mall lives matter She's not saying, saying that Not all malls Um not mall malls. We don't. We don't need to Man, listen to more of that rough. song. I don't like that. There's a whole making of video that you find of like, oh yeah, collaborating on this song. It was just no. such an honor to blah blah blah. No, it's just, it? and what is it? Because it's not. Because you're not alone. When those porch lights are shining, it's your invitation to the love that's been waiting. It's one thing on my wish list. It's a hometown Christmas. This is like the nastiest part of some of this music, which like. I, I think we basically agree that the original songs on this seem to come from a very honest place. Even if, if some of it is like hokey or corny or overwrought or inaccessible at times, it's still, you're not getting the sense of like, oh yeah, he doesn't really mean this or this is inauthentic. The, this sort of sound to a song called Hometown Christmas, like they're not singing about going to war or yeah, something or like saving the day or rising from the dead. It's just like, we're gonna have a hometown yeah. Christmas. Yeah, yeah. like the like jubilant like nature of it is really weird. And it, yeah, like to your point, it's contradicting everything that has been going on in the the rest of this yes. album, which is like, let's not pretend that Christmas is like this perfect jolly thing because I can't do that. And, and it's like, just kidding. Perhaps. When I'm home for the holidays, <laughs> I love it. It's like, what? This shit, so this is insane. not the same man from the beginning not. of this album to the end. Yeah, this is a hostage situation. Uh, Free John Foreman. I don't know what happened here. I think... He put it at the end probably because he knew. Like, this is a... I wonder... Turkey. You know, because I think the album sequencing is different on vinyl. So I'm wondering now if this even exists. I got the vinyl. You did? I did for Nate for Christmas. He's actually opening it up when I get home tonight. He Guess does, what, Caroline? He doesn't know yet. This... This song is not on the vinyl. And in fact, the sequencing is totally different. Oh. Side A is songs we wrote. Side B is songs we didn't. So the side A oh. is all their originals and, and side B the, oh, is the covers. Oh, to do it that way. And on no hometown Christmas. On streaming, it's all mixed up in the order that we basically oh, did it in. God. And freaking hometown Christmas. Okay, well, we're done. We, we can't. <laughs> we gotta let it go. We can't listen to hometown Christmas. It was a shock. For one, shock second more. All right. Well, I mean, I think it's time to do it. Let's give it a roast or toast or a space between. Roast means, or toast means we're sending up to heaven where John Foreman can serve forever. Riding the waves with the angels or we send it down. 
to roast on an open fire. Or we send it to... Let's do this together because I think we're pretty aligned yeah. on our thoughts. Yeah, it's and a total toast on this. I, I think it's a total toast. Yeah, yeah, and I don't. I wasn't like duty bound to love this album. I was like, whatever. But I really like it. And th- yeah, like I said, Christmas, California Christmas, even the New Year's song, are like a lot mm-hmm. and are on my playlist now. I would add California Christmas to the playlist. I would add Scrappy Little Christmas Tree to the p- playlist. Wow. I would definitely add I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. I think that's their most successful cover on the album. And it does seem to come from an authentic place of John Foreman. I'm sorry that around. it took a gun to his head to get this album out here, but unfortunately it worked really well and he did a good job. What if it, What if in like, because you know, the vinyl always has more art when you open it up. What if you, when you get home, it is then see him. tied yeah. to a chair, like with a guitar duct taped to his hand. But on the beach. <laughs> like, hey. <laughs> It's a it's a toast. We give it a holy toast. Total toast. Good job, good, Switchfoot. They they did it. And you, you didn't know, have to do it that good and you did. And let's hope maybe this is the first of four Christmas albums from them, a la Amy Grant <laughs> or uh or I guess Sufjan. Um, you know, Vulture and hate to keep bringing them up again, but they did a long interview with Sufjan. Uh, uh Tis the Suf- season for Sufjan, the singer songwriter reflects on what he's learned after the holidays. After he's learned about the, uh, the holidays after releasing 100 Christmas songs, because he's released at least 100 Christmas what? songs across all of his oh, I didn't realize that. albums and EPs. Yeah, because there, there was the uh, songs for Christmas in 2006. Yeah, and I don't then... need it. That's fine. <laughs> need what? <laughs> the Wikipedia list of all the Christmas songs. No, thank you. Well, okay, here we go. I was expressing surprise, but not like more information. You know, Songs on for that. Christmas was in 2006. Dexter. And then let Next me just year, Google if there's any time for you to sing somebody. Christmas. It's, the time is now. Go to albums. <laughs> okay, 58 songs on silver and gold. And that was 2012. Okay. That was 10 years ago. Okay. It's kind of interesting. What else was going on? Okay, let me just Wikipedia. That's all right. We the don't year get to there. 2012. I'd like to lift up. Of course, the menu. disambiguation comes up. <laughs> and you can up. follow me Classic. at Caroline's Farts. Okay, so there's the 2009 disaster <laughs> film, 2012, which came out in 2009, like which it. I think is a little like silly. Uh, and there's a... Let him go the first time. Okay. <laughs> I'm Listen, I'm closing the Wikipedia tabs. Wink. I know you're not. <laughs> <laughs> Dimming the lights, lighting the candles. We're having a candlelight service. Yeah. Caroline, I believe, based on our scheduling, this is our last good Christmas fun. Of the year. It is. We still got second service going on, but Merry Christmas to you. Hey, Merry Christmas to you too. And happy holidays. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to all you listening out there. Yeah. And thanks for sticking with us for another fifth year. We are in year six of doing the podcast as of right now. And up next, next stop, S Corp. Finally. That's that's another off my combo. Taxes in order. Whoopsie daisy. Finally. And we're not here to promote ourselves or plug our projects. We're just here like a little Christmas gift. We're here to lift up our things, our plugs, our projects, and things we're enjoying the secular culture. And that we want to give to you as recommendations. We want to give to you, the listener. And we'll start with Caroline. You can follow your little local elf on the shelf. At Caroline's Farts. So I'm watching. You think you're watching me. I'm watching you. Um, And I'm going to lift up a movie I loved, thought was so fun. It's called The Menu. 
Um, it's a little thriller about a group of people that go to a restaurant for a special tasting menu and things happen. And I thought it was really good. And it was like a, a very funny too. It's kind of like a, it's it's mostly a thriller, but it's also a little bit of a dark comedy as well. So, oh, yeah. um, especially if you're someone who watches a lot of Chef's Table or is into the restaurant world, there's a lot of like allusions to those kind of shows and things. It's very gratifying and fun. I recommend it. That movie, uh, <laughs> I really enjoyed that movie too. Wait, what was the thing I was going to say about the menu? Uh, who gives a shit? The menu. I liked it too. Um, yeah. That Very was, violent though. Be ready for that. Yeah. But less violent than you would think, honestly. Yeah. I thought. I was shocked. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to see Voldemort having a little fun. It's nice to I, see him I like fun. to think it's a spinoff where it's like Voldemort, Voldemort changes his ways. It becomes a chef. Trying. Well, I guess he doesn't change his ways <laughs> that much. <laughs> well, let's not spoil. <laughs> uh, but you liked it? Oh, yeah. I, I, I can't remember the really erudite observation oh, I was going to have. It was such that. a good cast, too. Starring a lucky model. Who's a good actor? Anya Taylor-Joy. Mm. Anya. 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 I think it's Anya. I think it's literally, it doesn't feel like it should be Anya. It's like I, a Rihanna Rihanna situation. I think it is. Isn't that funny? But yeah. You can lift me up at Kevin T. Porter everywhere. I'll freaking lift up. Uh, uh, you know what? I don't know. Wait, Dexter is? Yeah. Is he really? Yeah. yeah, he's like, just get to it, man. <laughs> Rip it up. I'll lift up that Directors on Director series and lift up the interview with Martin McDonough and Taylor Swift. I need to watch that. I'm going to watch that when I get home, actually. She's will. running. Cause, uh, yeah, she's ready to go. She's running. The pivot to film is she, here. She wants all too well to get nominated for mm-hmm. Best Short for the Oscars, which is, I believe, the it reason will. she's doing it. Probably, The yeah. girl knows how to game an award system. Mm-hmm. She'll make it happen. She'll win an Oscar like, I think Kobe Bryant Soon. won an Oscar. Or was it LeBron James? It was Kobe. Kobe Bryant won an Oscar for Best Animated Short Film in 2018. So she'll get an Oscar like Kobe got an Oscar. Yeah. Two equally talented filmmakers. (laughs) Uh, I did like Dear Basketball. I thought that was good. I didn't see it. But man, I I don't really have good lift-ups right now. I don't. I really enjoyed the, the, the score, the soundtrack to White Lotus. That's been fun to be listening Mm. to. It's good... Soundtrack is uh, Cristobal Tapia de Vere, uh, who composes the original music, including the main title theme that everyone's wilding out to. Good music for being a little scamp. Yeah, all that stuff. Very fun. Can't wait to watch it. I can't believe. I know. I think it's killing me. I think you've robbed yourself of a little pleasure. It's killing me. Is it actually? I really want to watch it. Because now you're going to be like, uh, and we're going to uh, be like. And you guys will be like, old We've news. moved on. Well, if you look at the Boring. Yeah. And then I'm like, but what if they did it? And they're like, we already know we did it. it. You can lift us up at Christian Fun Pod everywhere. You can go to patreon.com slash goodchristianfun for more good Christian fun. And if you can, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Please, Every review please. you leave, we donate to our charity. That's please. your gift to us this year. That's so nice. Actually, if you're going to do a gift, subscribe to the Patreon. Yeah, that's a nicer gift. <laughs> um, that's where we're doing the work. This felt like a little bit of a second service. This one today? Episode. Yeah, so if you enjoyed this. <laughs> oh, oh we got a lot, lot more where that comes from, baby. <laughs> 
Uh, man, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to all of you. Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, all of the above. And Merry Christmas to you, Caroline, my partner Merry in crime. Merry Christmas to you, Kevin. Here's to 2023. What's that? I said Merry Christmas to you, Kevin Tinsel Kringle. Oh, Merry Christmas to you, Christmas Caroline. Mm-hmm. Farts. On the shelf. And the Caroline farts <laughs> on the shelf. <laughs> and there's nothing left to say. Except for okay, okay I, I love, love you, Emma. Emma. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Emma. Emma. Amen. Amen. And which of these Switchfoot songs will take us out of the official be? GCF Christmas season? Good Christmas fun. Perhaps Turkey Interlude. Yeah, let's go out on Turkey Interlude. Let's freaking go. It. And this is the song that ends Good Not Christmas fun in twenty twenty two. Here we go. We'll see you next <laughs> you, time on GCF. Goodbye. Because everybody knows a turkey. I know a couple turkeys myself. So it goes, it goes like this. Because everybody knows a turkey. Let's <laughs> just sing that again just to remind ourselves. Everybody knows a turkey. Everybody knows. That was a HeadGum Podcast.